It is good to be with you, excited for this day. Monumental as we go to two services. Monumental as we start a brand new series. I think written maybe specifically for your pastor, but hopefully for some others that are going to relate to what God's going to do in this place today. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie, it came out years ago, called Fight Club. Um, it, it certainly wouldn't bring you closer to Jesus, but it's entertaining nonetheless. Uh, there, the Fight Club, there was a rule in Fight Club. And the rule was, one thing we don't do is talk about Fight Club. Like, it was an underground fighting scene, and they would do their thing underground. But when they came up and lived their lives, that would, they, no one talked about it. That was the one rule. No one talks about Fight Club. Well, Ava, my daughter and I, we have a rule when it comes to Sam's Club. It's the same thing. No one talks about Sam's Club between her and I. And uh, you'll understand why in a second. Um, one time, Ava and I went to Sam's Club not that long ago to go shopping. And uh, we walked out. We threw the groceries in the trunk, slammed the trunk, and... Uh, I had no car keys. Remember that, Ava? We couldn't find the car keys. We're like, we, we had no clue where they were, and, but we were pretty confident they were in the trunk. So Ava and I, for the next, uh, I'm not going to tell you how long, uh, tried to fish the car keys out of the trunk. We went into the back seat of the car. There's a little opening. It kind of flops down. And you, I had my arm, and I'm, I'm feeling all the groceries and doing this. And I'm like, I can feel all the stupid groceries, but I can't feel any car keys. So Ava and I got the idea that her leg is longer than my arm. So Ava took her shoe off and had her leg stuffed through the hole, trying to feel the car keys with her. If anybody thought anybody was mentally messed up that day, it was the people walking by our car, Ava, wasn't it? They're, they see us doing everything we can to get these car keys out of the trunk of the car. So Ava's got her leg shoved in there trying to find them, can't do it. Then she shoves her arm in there again, she's trying to get them. And as we're doing this for, again, I'm not going to tell you how long, but as we're doing this, I came to the real realization of something, and I walked up to the front seat, uh, leaned over, and pushed a button, pop, and the trunk pops open, and uh, Ava's still back there doing this, and all of a sudden it pops open, she's like, Dad, I got it! I'm like, no, well, no, Ava, you didn't get it, but we figured it out. We don't talk about that day, do we, Ava? Mom doesn't even know about that till today, but yeah, we did that. No one talks about Sam's Club. I say that because... I think that mental health, mental illness, that's kind of the thing. Mental illness is this thing that we're just not going to, we're not going to talk about. We're not going to go there. And I think the, the, the stigma, if you will, maybe has been kind of helped in the last decade or decade and a half, but we got a lot of work to do. And I'm telling you, this impacts so many people. And I, in fact, I have stats. I didn't bring my sheet, but do you have the stats? Did I send a slide for that? Yeah, look at this. So just to give you an idea of how prevalent it is, one in five adults in the U.S. struggle, 44 million, with some sort of significant mental health issue. Next one is the same stat, roughly, only higher, 21.4% of youth. That's your age, Ava. 13 to 18 people that struggle, I think, a severe mental disorder they've had at some point in their life. One in five. The, the, the next stat, similar stat, one in five adults experience an anxiety disorder, like post-traumatic stress disorder. Obsessive compulsiveness, specific phobias. Uh, go with social stats, right? How does it impact us socially? Well, 26% of homeless adults live with a serious mental illness. And 46% of homeless adults have mental illness along with a substance abuse disorder. Keep it going. What else with social? 70%, 7 out of 10 youth, again, 13 to 18, are in the juvenile justice system. They have at least one mental health condition. So are people getting help? What, what does it say? Four out of 10. Four out of 10 adults in the U.S. with a mental health condition received any kind of service the past year. 
So 41% have gone completely untreated, doing nothing about it. The next one, over half of kids with mental health condition, age 8 to 15, received any, got any help. So that's over half of the kids that are struggling mentally, and that we've done nothing about it, or they've done nothing about it. We just, they've not gone there. And if you don't go there for so long, bad things can happen. The next slide will tell you that when it comes to this suicide. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., and the second leading cause for people, young people, 10 to 34 years old, suicide. What's the last one? It's kind of staggering. Nine out of 10 people who die by suicide show symptoms of a mental health condition. Mental health is an issue. Mental health is real. And I'm here to tell you, I know a lot of that says one out of five this, one out of five that. Say one out of one. One out of one. That's what I think. I think one out of one people struggle in some capacity mentally. Like, let's just be honest. There's, there's bits of pieces of us that aren't right. Like, you're messed up. Tell two people you're sitting by, I'm messed up. I'm messed up. Just to own it. You are. And so am I. And we have to look at it. We're messed up mentally. We're messed up emotionally. Messed up physically. Man, God reminded me this week. I, every once in a while, I get a lower back twinge. Um, I got a bulge disc. And this week, Tuesday, you think I was lifting 500 pounds. No. Nope, I was kind of leaning for a Kleenex. Well, we know how heavy those are. Um, so I was leaning, for, I was in the bathroom getting ready, and I kind of just reached for the Kleenex, and all of a sudden I felt this twinge, and I'm like, oh no. And you freak out when that happens. If you, any of you that struggle with that know, you freak out and you grab something to support yourself so it doesn't get worse. So I grabbed the first thing I could find, and that was the toilet paper holder that was attached to the wall. Rip! I ripped it clean off the wall. So it was kind of cool. I kind of felt strong for a second. I'm like, dang, that's awesome. And then I realized, crap, I got to fix that. So, but it's, then it wasn't so fun. But I literally ripped the thing off the wall. Uh, that's all. So we're, what I'm saying is we're messed up in a lot of ways. We're all mental. We've all got some condition, some obsessive, compulsive, fear, whatever it is. We've got these compulsions and these wounds and these weaknesses. But this is what I believe, and this is, why this, whole, this is why this series exists right now for your church and for this church. It's because I just think it's time that rather than shoving it under the rug or pretending like it doesn't exist, I think it is time that the church, we as the church, rise up. Let's remove the stigma of mental illness. Let people know it's okay to not be okay and point them to healing, point them to hope, because I'm telling you, there is hope. There's hope in this. And this is what I want people to know. But why are people so hesitant to talk about it? Why are we? I think, I think again, the stigma's getting removed, but I, we're going to help it this, throughout this series. But, but I think people are hesitant because you can't really see it. Like, you can't really diagnose it as easy. Like, if you break your arm, I mean, an x-ray is going to tell you that, right? You got, you got a virus. You got a sickness. Your white blood count is up. I mean, the, the, te- the blood test will tell you that. So what do we do? Well, we see they're physically sick. We're going to pray for them. We're going to wrap around them. We're going to make them a casserole. We're going to do the things because we know they're sick. But when you're struggling in depression, but when you're, when you're struggling mentally, it, it, can, it can go completely unnoticed. It, people could have no idea that that's happening. That, that's the difference. That's what makes it so difficult. That's what makes it so fearful. That's what makes it so afraid. That what, that's what makes it so messy. It is a messy illness. We live in a messy world, but here's what you need to know straight up. Jesus Christ is not afraid of your mess, okay? Jesus is not afraid of your mess. I'm going to show you this. Like, if you brought a Bible, mobile device with a Bible app, go to Matthew 9. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. The New Testament is, is, it begins when Jesus was born. 
to Mary and Joseph in a stable. That's when it begins. Jesus is born and uh, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, all tell the story of Jesus' life. And in Matthew 9, we're going to start in the 35th verse. And I'm going to read this to you. And if you ever need a Bible, you come see us after the service at guest services. We will give you one for free. I love when you get in the Word. I want you to write in it, highlight it, mark it up. It's yours. Own it. God's love letter to you. Matthew 9. So, so this is what it says. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news. You're going to hear a lot more about the good news later in the message. Jesus couldn't even, I mean, Jesus is announcing it because he knew it was a big deal. He's announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed. Look, look what Jesus did. Jesus healed every, say every, every kind of disease and illness. You think Jesus saw a lot of different things? Yeah. You think he might have saw some people that were mental? Yeah. Physical? Yeah. Uh, emotional? Yeah. Spiritually jacked up? Yes. He saw it all. He saw it all, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Jesus isn't afraid of our mess. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, so Jesus looks at the crowds. He always sees the people. That's what mattered most to him. He saw the crowds. He had compassion. He wasn't judgmental. He wasn't thinking he's better than. He wasn't thinking, man, you're screwed up. You know what he did? He thought, I have compassion on you. I have compassion on you because they were like, they were confused and helpless. That's so big. If you know anything about mental illness, you know there's a lot of confusion with it. It's like, why am I feeling this way? Why are they struggling so much? Their life seems to have it all together. Why wouldn't they be happy? There's confusion. There is confusion and there is a helplessness like, like you've never seen. So Jesus saw it. He says they were confused and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw them. He saw the confusion. He saw the helplessness. Jesus saw that they were messed up, but Jesus wasn't afraid of their mess. Why? Because Jesus is in the business of taking what is messy and turning it into miracles. It's what he does. It's what he wants to do in your life. It's why he brought you here today. This is so big that we catch this. Jesus, we need you in this place today, God. Send your spirit. Give us your word boldly. We know people that are messed up. Okay, let's be honest. We are people that are messed up. We need you. Five factors, I think, go into mental illness. This is just me now. I know there's a lot more. You could do series after series on just mental illness. But five, five big things that I'm going to really preach on over the next four to five weeks. And, and, and they all start with C. Because sometimes pastors, it makes, makes us feel start to start the word with us anyway. So, uh, so they all start with C. Five factors. Your chemistry, how you're made up. Your connections, who you're surrounded with. Your circumstances, things that are going down around you. Your choices, choices you make. And your condition. Well, what do you mean condition? I mean condition. Like, we all have a condition. Did you know that? Like, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but you're dying. Right? <laughs> You're dying, and so am I. We have an illness. We have a sickness. And it stems from a thing called sin. That's why we're mental. That's why we struggle physically, right? It's sin. So let's, let's, we're in church, so we're going to be honest. How many here you've ever sinned? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Now, there's always somebody with their hand down. So raise it now. You just lied, okay? Seriously, get it up. So, Yes. Yes, even your pastor, I know that I'm a godly guy and you hopefully look up to me in that way, but your pastor has blatantly, well, I'll just tell you, before I, before I 
moved to Omaha area, I remember we were getting ready to do stuff, and I had to go to the courthouse. And uh, so I'm at the courthouse in Sioux Falls, and I can't remember what I was doing, a registration or something. So I go in there, do my thing at the courthouse. I walk out of the courthouse, and there's a booth sitting right there, and there's people at the booth, and there's a petition. They're, they're, they're gathering information for voters or whatever. They're just trying to tell you about something that they believe in. They want you to sign up and just pledge to it. Not pledge to it, but just sign up and petition. Whatever I'm trying to say. So anyway, you know what, you know what I'm saying. So I, I leave the courthouse, and they're like, sir, sir. And I was like, yeah. And it was just me and them, right, straight, straight up. They were like, sir, are you a registered voter? And I looked right at him, and I said, no. And I am, but I said, nope. And she said, oh, okay, all right, have a good day. And I turned around, and I was like, yes. So not only did I just lie, but I was like happy about it. I was like, yes, I got out of it. So I'm proud of myself for telling a blatant lie that I'm not a registered voter, and I, don't look at me like this. Why are you looking at me like that? Like you got it all together? You know, you know Jesus says, anger in your heart is a sin. He says, lust in your mind is a sin. Look at me like that. If I took your thoughts for the week, threw them up on the screen, you ain't sticking around for that movie, are you? Okay, I'm just saying. Don't act like you got it all together. You don't. And I don't either. I blatantly said, I am not a registered voter. And I so anyway, so I'm just saying, we've all sinned. Romans says it. Romans is a book in the New Testament. Romans 3.23, listen to what it says. For everyone, well, say everyone. everyone. That would be everyone. Everyone has sinned. We all, say all. all. I guess that's all of us. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We're all messed up. We all sin. And then Romans 6.23, so what, what, is, what is the wages? What happens when we sin? Well, it's not good. I already kind of told you. The wages for sin is death, right? Why is there illness in the world? Sin. Why is there sickness? Why is there struggle? I mean, I'm on my back Tuesday rolling around in pain, and Jake's like, Dad, why would God even let this happen? I said, Jake, because your dad's a sinner. I lied to those people at the courthouse. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah but, you know, it's just like he doesn't. You get it? All of us are broken. Maybe just write it down. All of us are broken. Until we understand our brokenness, we're never going to really understand the healer or the healing. We need to understand we're broken. Your body is broken. Your brain, which is part of your body, is broken. It is broken. We all have different degrees. Remember the five conditions, the five factors? There's all different factors, all different things. But at the end of the day, we're broken. Well, pastor, I mean, I'm a Christian, right? Isn't the answer just faith in Jesus? Isn't the answer just trusting in Jesus? Isn't, isn't that all we need? Okay, Bible boy, yes, Jesus, I get it. He is powerful. Jesus is, I mean, yes, I agree. He can, he can do it all. He can take away all of our struggles. But this is what I know about Jesus. He uses a lot of different methods. He uses a lot of different people. He uses a lot of different, different things to take care of people. Let, 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 let me give you an illustration. Let's say you're crazy enough to go hunting with me, okay? You and I are hunting. You already made a bad choice, okay? Because I'm dangerous with a gun, not in a good way. So uh, we go hunting, and uh, I accidentally shoot you in the leg, okay? <laughs> accidentally. You know, I accidentally shoot you in the leg. So you're down bleeding out because I was good enough shot to hit an artery, and you're bleeding out, and I walk over. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're struggling. I'm just going to pray Jesus over you. I'm going to pray Jesus over you. I'm just going to pray for, pray for healing. God's all you, Jesus, all you need. Only when you say Jesus, it's got to be like, Jesus, Jesus is all. Yeah, you do. you got to say it with, like, these syllables, like four of them. Jesus is all you need, and I'm praying over you, and you know what he's thinking? Listen, buddy, unless, unless Jesus is driving the freaking ambulance, call 911, all right? That's what he's thinking. I, yeah, I need Jesus, but I need healing. I need help. 
We, we have to understand Jesus is enough, but he uses many different methods to do it. Jesus, I kind of like saying that, that's fun. So I feel like a televangelist. Listen to me. When you tell someone who's struggling with mental illness to have more faith, I mean, I'm telling you, don't be surprised if they just punch you right in the, right in the throat. I mean, and then when you're down on the ground hurting, they're like, oh, you just need Jesus. You know, it's, it, I'm telling you, don't tell somebody you just need to have more faith and don't tell them, you know, oh my God, and this happens. Don't tell them because of their sin in their life is why they're struggling. Well, you know, the sin, you know, you, you, you kind of put that on yourself, aren't you? What areas of your life do you need to get cleaned up? I'd say, what areas of your life do you need to get cleaned up? Because we're all jacked up. We're all jacked up. But, but, but what we need to understand at the end of the day, don't, don't ever point to someone's sin about that. I, I hate that because I want us to understand something real quick. It is not a sin to be sick, okay? It is not a sin to be sick. It, don't assume people are sinning. Don't assume they're doing these bad things. So, if, so what do we do, okay? What are the things we can do to help each other as we struggle mentally, I'll tell you, there's one thing, one more thing you sh we shouldn't do right away, I don't think, is try to prescribe your, your solution. Don't try to tell them, well, this is what you need to do. You might get to that down the road with them, but gosh, I'm telling you, people don't need to hear so your take on something all the time. Like, we're the professionals. I mean, the first thing you can do for somebody when they're struggling or you're struggling, affirm what they're struggling with is real. Affirm that depression exists, that anxiety exists, that bipolar exists. That, 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 that schizophrenia exists. That manic depression exists. Just affirm it. Tell them it's okay to not be okay. Why do we all say that at this church? Because none of us are okay. It's real what they're dealing with, what I'm dealing with, what you're dealing with. It's real, but you can do things for them. We, we kind of joke about the spirituality aspect. That is a big aspect. I mean, that is a big aspect, but that's, that's not the whole thing. But the first step is praying for somebody. It, you, you, that's where it always starts with prayer. As I struggle with my back, I just prayed with the prayer team. I love our prayer area. By the way, I got to tell you something exciting. So our prayer area, maybe you're new to Meadows or this is your first time. If, if it is, by the way, welcome home. We're super excited you're here. But after the service, we always have prayer team, prayer members lined up to pray with you. I'm telling you, if you need prayer for anything in this place, you come up here after the service and let us pray for you. Not only that, but over here, there's this room right over here by the hallway. That's a prayer area now. So just a private prayer area. Maybe there's private stuff or whatever. In fact, there's a prayer team member praying over there right now. So for every service, it's one of the luxuries of going to two services. Now, as people serve on dream teams, our, dream, our prayer dream team are literally sitting in the prayer area praying over you right now. That's awesome. That is powerful. We need prayer. The, look, look what the Bible says in um, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your worries. Give all your worries and cares to God. He cares about you. God cares about your mental struggle. God cares about your physical struggle. God cares about every area of your life. Prayer isn't, prayer isn't the end all, but it's definitely where it begins. It's definitely where it begins. And can God heal something through a prayer? You better believe it. I've seen it happen. I have seen it happen. In fact, I doubt I'd be preaching up here this week right now if it wasn't for the power of prayer. That's how big it is. But prayer is where it starts. So when you're struggling mentally or the, your friend or your family member, pray with each other. Secondly, literally be with each other. I'm not just talking, I'm gonna you know, send you a quick text. I mean, that's not bad. But so many times we have the ability to do more for somebody. Like, I mean, I mean physically be with them. Like, when you know someone is struggling and you have the capacity to, like, go be with them 
and, and encourage them and literally be with them rather than just send the prayer hand emoji. You're actually going to go there and love them. That's huge. Suicide, you know when they're happening, it's when people are alone. Now, I get you can't be with people 24-7. I get it. But I'm telling you, when people have people with them and they're by their side, it matters. It's so compassionate presence, I call it. This is a spiritual gift that I, it is incredible. Like, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've been to, to a lot of environments where people are struggling um, spiritually and emotionally. And I'm telling you, I can quote scripture all day long, and that's good. And I can pray, and that's awesome. But just being there, it, 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 you can't replace it. They're probably not, I mean, the state they're in, they probably won't even remember a lot of what you prayed. Not that you shouldn't do it, or the scripture that you gave them, not that you shouldn't give it. But I'm telling you what they will for certainly remember is that person was there. They don't have to say all the right words. They don't have to do all the right things. Just be there. Literally be there for them. This is so huge that we get this. Remind them that they're not alone. Remind them it's okay to not be okay. Remind them that other great people struggle with what they're struggling with. We're going to learn that in the series. I can't wait. Guys like the Apostle Paul. You're going to hear a lot about him in the series. Men like the prophet Elijah. These great men of God. You know they struggled big time mentally big time, and these were biblical heroes. Remind them of that. Give them scripture like Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two people are better off than one. You hear this at weddings a lot. I'm telling you, it's way bigger than just a, a wedding. Two are better than one, for they help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, they are in trouble. But when you're alone, you're in trouble. I tell people all the time. I know people like in addiction, in, in, in a mental state that isn't right. I mean, when we isolate, it's not good. It is not good. Isolation is, is, is very dangerous. That's why just being with each other. Lastly, affirm your love and God's love for them. Okay? Affirm you love them. You don't know how much that means to somebody. And affirm God's love for them. Remind them we're broken, but we're deeply loved by God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Not just God so loved the people in church. Not just God so loved the people that had it all together, because no one's got it all together. God so loved the people that were praying the right prayers or doing the right thing or whatever. No, God so loved the world. God so loved the world. God's love. God's love is the same for anybody who struggles mentally or anybody who maybe doesn't, though I contend everybody does in one capacity or another. God's love is unconditional and unending. And your brokenness doesn't make God love you any less. Someone needed to hear that. Your brokenness doesn't make God love you any less. Don't ever believe that. Your brokenness doesn't decrease your value. It doesn't. You know about value, right? I got 100 bucks here. What's the value? A hundred bucks. I'm going to take a chance here. It's dangerous when your back is struggling. But So a hundred bucks. hundred bucks is a fair amount of money, you know? But if I offered you a hundred bucks, you'd take it, wouldn't you? I mean, who would you be dumb not to take it? I mean, so, but if I take the hundred bucks and, like, do this, I mean, would you, would you still want that? Yeah. You would? But it's all broken and messed up. But it's still a hundred bucks. It's still valuable. It's, the value didn't change. But what if I did that and did this, and I did that. I was going to do some really weird stuff, but Jody said sometimes, honey, you take it too far. I said, all right, good point. So, um, <laughs> but what if I do that and kind of grind it up and, um, you know, now what? You still want to know? You would? Yeah. Why? Because it's still 100 bucks. Because the value hasn't changed. 
it's still worth what it was worth before. It's kind of broken. It's kind of beat up. And you probably thought I'd end this illustration by giving you the hundred bucks, but you'd be wrong. So uh, that's just, that's just, but you get it. The hundred bucks is still valuable. The hundred bucks is still worth a hundred bucks. It's still good. It's still good. You're still good. You're broken, but you're not done. God's not done with you. God is not done with you. We're all messed up. We all need Jesus. He is the answer at the end of the day, but he's going to use a lot of different avenues to get us to hope and to get us to healing. No matter how sick you are, I wrote this down, God still loves you and God still values you. And do you know why? This is the main point. If you don't hear anything else or don't remember anything else, remember this. Your illness is not your identity. Your illness is not your identity. You're not defined by some disease going on in your head. You're not defined by a dysfunction going on in your head. You're not defined by depression. You're not defined by any of that. What you're defined by is your designer, your creator. And he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your illness is not your identity. And this is good news. This is good news, God says. God, I, I know this with all my heart, that God wants somebody to know today that he looks at you today in your knowing what you've done, knowing where you've been, knowing what you looked at, knowing who you hurt, knowing how you struggle, says you're valuable, says you are even acceptable. Regard, regardless of how you feel about yourself, regardless of how you feel about yourself, regardless of the pain that you're in or that you're going through, God says you are acceptable. God says you are valuable. He says you are lovable. He says you are forgivable. He says you have a purpose. Somebody say, I've got a purpose. I need you to shout, I got a purpose. You've got a purpose. God says he has a plan for you and he has a purpose for you and it is greater than anything that you're going through. Give God some praise. Give him praise. Oh, Father. We've got purpose. There's purpose in your pain. The pathway to your purpose, it's always paved with pain. It always is. If you're not going through a struggle right now, I don't know if you're in the will of God. I'm just telling you. You're going to struggle. Great men and women of God show us that in history. And you're a great man or woman of God, whether you know it or not. You know, Paul, I talked about Paul. Paul, there would be no New Testament, I don't think, if Paul would have let his dysfunction prohibit him from his purpose. Third, Paul wrote over half the New Testament. Letters to churches, letters to people, uh, letters to you and I. Paul was jacked up three days from whatever. He was messed up. Paul struggled. Not going to talk a lot about him today, but boy, you're going to hear a lot about him over the next month. This is why we got to stop believing a myth about mental illness. Stop believing that true believers in Jesus Christ don't struggle mentally, okay? Stop believing that. Stop believing that, please. Stop believing that a true believer isn't going to struggle or suffer from mental illness. I heard a story last year of a pastor, I have their family picture, Aaron Stockland, beautiful young family. His wife, beautiful boys. So he's a pastor in California, Chino, I think. 
So last year, he actually took a sabbatical. Means he left for a certain amount of time. I think it was like the whole summer. Like he, he went to the congregation. Thank God they, they, they understood. They kind of got it. And he said, listen, things are going on up here. Things aren't right. And I, I got to get some things straight. I'm, I'm struggling. And you look at this family and you look at him and you think, my gosh, beautiful family. Had a beautiful, has a beautiful ministry. Large, thriving church. Does the right thing. Steps away. He says, you know what? I'm mentally messed up. So he goes away for a few months, gets back, and I watch an interview with him and his wife on the stage when he gets back. And she's kind of confused because she's like, she didn't know he struggled like that. And he's up there, and they're talking through it, and they're trying to dispel the stigma. And this was like in August of last year. Well, the latter part of August of last year, Andrew killed himself. So he's gone now. Pastor of a large, growing church. When are we going to understand that mental illness does not discriminate? Just like addiction does not discriminate. Just like cancer does not discriminate. It doesn't. So I, I, I looked up the story, and I, there, there's a letter at, right after he died. It just takes courage. His wife, Kayla, she posted it, I think, on Facebook. It says, well, this was the next day. Wow. Last night, the love of my life, the father of my children, the pastor of our incredible church took his last breath. He went to be with Jesus. It wasn't the miracle I was hoping for, but... At least he's in heaven with his dad, free of pain, free of depression, free of anxiety. Keep that picture, that picture, keep that picture up there. It's just so, you probably did, you're good. He was an amazing husband, amazing daddy. His three boys that you're looking at right now are going to miss him so much. Just listen to her. He had such a unique and special relationship with each of the boys. He was an incredibly gifted teacher communicator and pastor. He was special, one of a kind, and will be missed by thousands of people around the world, she said about her husband, Andrew. And then listen to her plea. Think about the three points we were given today. Then she says, please pray for me and the boys. Pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to face it. Remember, this is raw. It just happened the day before. I am completely heartbroken. I'm lost and empty. So now the truth is starting to come out, isn't it? It's okay to not be okay doesn't mean it's not painful. Never in a million years would I have imagined this would be the end of our story or the end of his story. Listen to what she says. If you're struggling with suicidal thoughts or actions, please, please, please tell someone. Make sure you're not alone. Be with them. She's crying out. Make sure you're not alone. Be with them. Please call a friend or family member before you make that irre irreversible decision. You are loved and valued more than you know. Remind them of their love and their value for God. It's what we need. Some of you woke up this morning, and I know you look in the mirror and you think, you're, you're thinking you're looking at some pile of crap, somebody who screws up or makes mistakes. Yeah, you may do that, but your mistakes don't define you, okay? Your Heavenly Father defines you, and you're not that. It's such a crazy thing to think that a family that seemingly has it all together has nothing together. I already told you it doesn't discriminate. We are broken. Your pastor is broken. I'm broken. Why do you think we're doing a series called Mentally Messed Up? I, I, when I first became a pastor seven years ago, I remember telling God, God, I'll be real with him. He says, you need to be. I'll be vulnerable with him. If you've been around at this church for all, you already know that. And God's like, Monty, they'd rather follow, follow a leader that's real than one that's always right. And I said, God, I'm always real and I'm always right, so they got the bonus plan. I'm just kidding. 
You know, you know better than that already. Um, I'll never forget the day, you guys. I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was out of drug addiction, out of two rehabs, and my life was cleaned up, and I had my family. I had everything. I had my job kept me on. Family loved me, went with me through that. And I'll never, I'll never forget the first time I ever felt this. I was sitting on my couch, and I was sobbing, and I had no idea why. None. Like I had everything. I had everything. I was clean. I, I, everything was going my way. And I had never felt so dead on the inside of my life, ever. Ever. And it was so freak. It's the first time I really ever, I think, experienced a, m my mental illness. I think I've had it for a long time, but I, this is the first time it really hit home. Because I remember, and it, remember, it freaked me out so bad because I'm like, I have everything going for me. Like, it's not like I'm suffering. I mean, everything is on the upswing. If, if people looked at my life from the outside, they'd be like, God, that guy's got it going on. He's really got things going his direction. And I was a dead man sitting there. I was in trouble. And I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble because I, I had, I, it scared me so much. And I remember thinking, I am not okay. And, and shortly after that, Jody and I, we knew we needed God centered in our lives again. So we'd start going to church. And, and that's when this transformation started to take, take place. One that's still, still, I'm, I'm a, a work in progress just like you are. But I'm telling you the way that I felt that day. And what if I told you there's some days I still feel that way? I don't. I'll rewind back. So I'm feeling that way on, on the couch and we start going to church, a church like this, and they start talking about Jesus and the gospel. Some of you maybe don't even know what the gospel is. That's okay. That's why God brought you here. But I was sitting in the chairs just like you are and I was watching the screen and they had a picture of Jesus on the cross. You know, Jesus was God's son, is God's son. And it showed him on the cross, butchered and bleeding. And I remember, see, when you're in depression, when you're in depression, you know what, you know what, you know how I describe it? Worthless. That's how I felt worthless but you had it all together you're all cleaned up family's still with you. I don't care you tell me those things all day long and you probably should tell me that all day long but in the moment in that mindset piece of crap you are a loser you are a degenerate you are a fraud you are the biggest waste of space I remember just sitting in church thinking I'm such a I would tell you what I was thinking but it, it's it's R-rated, so I'll just keep it PG-13 for right now, but it wasn't good. And I'm looking at Jesus on the cross, butchered on the cross, and I remember thinking, why in the world would you do, because I've always believed in Jesus, always believed in the crucifixion and the resurrection, I've always believed in that. But I remember thinking, why would you do it for, I mean, maybe for you or, or you, not for me. Peace of crap. And I just remember Jesus, I didn't hear it audibly, but he literally said, I did it for you and I do it again. And something happened. And I accepted this gospel. Just like somebody here is going to accept the gospel of Jesus, that, that Jesus went to the cross, rose from the dead, and, and to defeat sin and death. Some of you are like me, that you're off track and you're living a life that doesn't please God, and God brought you here to have you commit to him like I did that day. Others of here, maybe you've never believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, your, your pastor wouldn't be your pastor if that wasn't real. I'm telling you that. And your pastor still struggles. But it is true. I was in that moment, in that chair, I was dead. I wanted to die. 
And Jesus literally reached down and raised me up. And that's what he's doing to somebody here today. If you've never sold out to Jesus, if you've never heard him say to you, I, I did it for you and I do it again because I love you and you're valuable and you mean the world to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. That's what he's saying to you. Accept it and receive it. Remember when I shared Romans 6.23? The wages for sin is death. I didn't finish the verse. You know what it also says? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it says. That's the gift he wants to give you. I'm telling you, you struggle mentally. I know you do. And I do too. There is no hope without Jesus. There's hope with him. None without him. None. I'm telling somebody in this place today that that man, that God, died on a cross for you and for me. Do not leave this place until you know where you're at with him. Surrender your life to him. Because you need to know, you're, yeah, yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you're messed up. I get that. He knows that too. But I know that if a man can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he can take what's broken in you and turn it into something absolutely beautiful. It's what he does. You're beautiful. Say I'm beautiful. I didn't hear you. Say I'm beautiful. You are unbelievably beautiful. Unbelievably beautiful. Beautiful. So yeah, that's great, isn't it? And it's awesome. And some of you, 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 you know what you need to do. So we get to Omaha, we plant the church, and uh, I, I wrote down that Tuesday. I just wrote that Tuesday. Tell them about that Tuesday. And it was Tuesday, and this is months ago. Church plants, most of them fail, by the way. Like, like a new business, most of them don't make it. I already knew that this one would. I just knew it. I just, I just knew it. Not being cocky, I just, I'm cocky for him. I'm telling you, he's good. And this church is growing and it's crazy and people are coming and people are accepting what I just shared with you, the good news of Jesus about him dying on a cross and rising from the dead for you. And everything's going good again. And I'm a believer, not only am I a believer now, I'm sold out to Jesus, but I'm like the leader of this church. And, and I'm sitting there on a Tuesday looking at our numbers and looking at the decisions for Christ and looking at the baptisms and looking at the attendance. Everything is up and to the right. And I'm sitting in my chair sobbing again on this Tuesday, just sobbing, miserable. And I'm like, I don't get it. What is, again, I'm scared. Everything's great. Why am I feeling the opposite? And I remember what I did. Called somebody, accountability, just a friend of mine. He prayed with me. It was huge, huge. When, I don't know if I would have got through the day without it. Not only did he pray with me, he was with me. Wanted to be with me to make sure that I was okay. And then he reminded me of my love or that God didn't call me here to just plant this church, but God loves me and it's not about the church. I don't find my value in the church. I find it in Christ. And, uh, and I think what brought it home for me is God led me to a scripture that I want to close with. There's a translation called the message translation. And it, it's really written in verbiage I get, kind of today's terms. Matthew, again, in the book of Matthew 11, 28 through 30. We close with scripture, and I'm telling you today, if you walked in here broken or defeated, well, this is for you. It was for me on that Tuesday. And because of people in my life and God in my life and God's word ministering to me, I, I made it through that, that valley of that day. Some of you are in a valley. That's why God has you here. I know that. I love you so much. God loves you way more than I ever could. Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you tired? Man, I was tired. 
Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Tell me, Jesus, how do you do it? He says, learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is what Jesus says to you today. Doesn't that sound so good? I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word and your truth. We're acknowledging something this morning at Meadows Church that we are mentally messed up. There's different degrees. I get it. There's different factors. I get it. There's different levels. We get it. But I know that there are people here today like the pastor, we're not okay. There's things that are not right. But you give us a prescription in your word, really modeled through your son Jesus Christ, that he saw people like us and he didn't run from it. He didn't judge it. He didn't look down on it. He actually ran to it and elevated it and lifted it up and made people new. It's what you're in the business of doing, God. Anybody here who, first of all, doesn't have a relationship with you, maybe they haven't surrendered to you, or maybe they have believed in you, but they've never sold out, today is their day. I pray they will pray at the prayer team. I pray they won't leave here until that's done. Others of here are struggling emotionally, or they have children or friends or family that are struggling emotionally, mentally. God, let us use what you prescribed. Let us pray. Let us spend time together. Let us affirm your love and our love for each other, God, and give you all the glory. You are a healer. You are a redeemer. You are a God who continually gives and loves, and we need all that today. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen.